I th- I think it's funny how we talk about in sports like oh well he's good he's just inconsistent it's like no that means he's bad like <laughs> Phil you guys do some really good podcasts they're just most of them are bad they're like not that consistent uh, a lot of them are just boring and they drag and you never get to the point Wetmore just keeps talking he keeps listing things and doesn't really say anything he's like just he's sort of doing talking. it right now with this sentence actually. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game, Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Touch 'Em All podcast. I'm Phil Mackey. Derek Wetmore is uh, hanging out in this humble podcast abode at Wetmore. the 1500 ESPN Studios. Wetmore, remember, and that was all you guys. Wetmore, not just you, but other friends in the media and stuff. That was like all they knew of me. We put a, we put an H in your name, even though there wasn't one. <laughs> the Wetmore impersonation. Why are you pronouncing an H that isn't there? Why am I pronouncing what? What way? Uh, if you could, if you could, uh, listeners, loyal listeners of the Touch 'Em All podcast, or new listeners of the Touch 'Em All podcast, if you could, uh, by chance, give us a four or a five star rating, five would be great. But if you just think we're kind of mediocre, a four star rating would be great on iTunes. Uh, just go to you can either Google search it, iTunes Touch 'Em All podcast, or find it in your iTunes app, podcast app, or. Uh, iTunes um, on your computer somewhere. Yeah, the iTunes rating is important to us, the fours and five stars, but also the comments I think are funny. Um, I love reading those comments. A lot of people, I think, leave that comment and think, I'll never go in and look at that. I have. And there was one time, Phil, where we asked people for like 19 exclamation marks behind a, this show's awesome. Two people did that. So yep. thank you to thank you, you guys. you two people, yes. It was awesome. So uh, until further notice, Brian Dozier is still just a rumor sort of swirling around the uh, MLB trade market. I keep refreshing MLB trade rumors a couple times a day to see if there's any other reports from other publications. I think because the Dodgers just took care of, reportedly, uh, the re-signings of Justin Turner, their third baseman, and Kenley Jansen, five years, $80 million for a guy who isn't quite as dominant maybe as he was a couple of years ago. I think that clears the way where if a Brian Dozier trade is going to go down, it made sense that they were going to get their own in-house guys re-signed and then revisit talks with the Twins. But there's a lot of factors that go in here. Um, so just before we get into some of the what-if-they-do-trade-him scenarios, the luxury tax with the new CBA is in play, even for a team like the Dodgers are concerned about that. It's $195 million right now, and then you start paying luxury tax, and they're well over $200 million. Um, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue, but it might complicate some things in terms of, well, we'll give you this prospect, but we could really use uh, you, you taking one of our uh, $10 million pitchers or something in return. So um, just your thoughts on the feasibility of a Dodgers-Twins trade at this point a week past the winter meetings. As the resident non-zero guy, I just want to throw out this disclaimer first, that we are so fixated and locked in on the Dodgers, and I get it, and 
Um, that's, it's the team that makes the most sense, I guess. It makes a lot of sense. They're there in competition. They could use an affordable impact player. They have a deep well of prospects to potentially trade from. And their rotation is deep. Makes sense on paper. I'm not trying to say that... I'm not even going to say that a Dodgers-Dozier trade won't happen. Um, but just for the record, it's not the only team in baseball that would also make some sense. There, You could look in other places that would potentially be a fit for Brian Dozier, depending on what they're willing to offer. So if it was just the Dodgers, don't you think the Twins and Dodgers would sit down and get something hammered out and it would be done and the Twins would get their young pitcher or an old pitcher with a big contract or whatever? They'd figure out the details. I think that the Twins are slow playing it a little bit because they kind of want to see what the rest of the market is like, what's out there. So I just I just want to get that on the record. But I'd also say the feasibility of a trade, it makes a ton of sense. With Los Angeles, I think despite what Brian Dozier said at the winter meetings that he wants to be here and he wants to be a part of the rebuild, I think that's I think that's wonderful. And I think on a personal level, good for him for being willing to dig in in the trenches and fight to get out of last place rather than saying, "Ah, you know, you guys suck and I'm a star, so. Trade me to a contender, <laughs> right? It's, you know, funny it's possible because, that he's saying one thing in public and behind the scenes he's like, can you believe these But can you even picture Brian Dozier doing that? I can't. Not really, no. I've covered him on a daily basis. He seems like a good enough guy. Yeah, I just – look, everyone's saying the right things, and I'm not saying that necessarily is their true feelings, their true intentions, but I would not – like I'll put it this way. I'd be very surprised if Dozier told us reporters – I want to be a twin. I want to be a twin for a long time. There's a reason I signed here um, when he signed the four-year deal a couple seasons ago. And then goes to dinner with Falvey and Levine and says, all right, guys, how soon and what team? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if that was happening. So, But with that being said, um, we've talked a lot. We did a podcast episode. This is a couple of weeks ago now, Phil where we talked about Jose De Leon, where we talked about Julio Urias. I don't think there's any way they trade Urias for just Brian Dozier. Yeah, probably not. If you wanted Urias, and Urias is what, going to be 21 this year? He's 21, And yeah. he's already, I mean, he's, he's in the postseason. He's established in the major leagues. De Leon has pitched in the major leagues, but just for five or six starts. If Just for fun, if you wanted Urias, so they wouldn't hang up and laugh while they hang up, you'd offer Dozier and something else. Dozier and... Uh, Cole Stewart or something better than Done. Cole Stewart. God, I, yeah. I, I would probably give that up, yeah, too, yeah, by the say, way. That's, <laughs> that's a bad example. So um, maybe like a Dozier Barrios. Yeah, see, I don't Urias. think the price would be that steep. For uh, for Urias? For yeah. five years of Urias? Yes, I'm just saying. I think that there are a lot of people who are who tend to... We talked about in our last Touch Em All podcast episode how Chris Sale's a dominant ace and good for the Red Sox for getting an ace. And maybe that pushes them over. Maybe they win the World Series this year. Their team last year could have won the World Series. And weird postseason things happened and the Indians beat them and moved on to the next round. But So, so maybe this move pushes the Red Sox over the edge. But injuries happen. Pitchers are weird. They're impossible to project. Even young, cost-controlled pitchers Weird things happen. I'd be glad to take that chance if I'm uh, sure. If I but but, but if, if I'm if I'm the Dodgers, I would rather take a chance on five years of Urias and fill in the blank second baseman. Doesn't matter who. Yeah. I don't at at that point. I yeah, I'm probably not interested either. Um, but one thing that we didn't talk about in that Dozier podcast, Phil, where we talked about what would it cost and how valuable is a young pitching prospect. Uh, 
short answer, probably not as valuable as a lot of people seem to think. They seem to think um, young pitchers are, the, you know, the holy grail. And as we talked about, it's really just it's hard to project these guys. It's hard to assume production over the next five, six years because pitchers are weird and injuries happen and elbows blow out all the time. And you could have been a formerly once great pitching prospect and even put together a solid year or two. And over time, you're not you're not so hot. So it, it's just it's really hard to value those. The one thing that I think we probably missed on that conversation that I'd like to add here in this one is that if you're the Dodgers and you're up against that luxury tax threshold and now you'll probably be willing to pay a lot of money towards that. I get it with the Jansen signings and uh, assuming this Turner thing gets wrapped up here, which I, I expect that it will. Then you're talking about a lot of money committed to the 2017 a 2017 team and and Buster only had a great tweet where he noted that unless things change there's some like some significant adjustments the Dodgers will pay more in luxury tax this year than the San Diego Padres will pay to their 25 man roster imagine that how about the Padres a couple of years ago Push, pushing their it. chips in the middle going to go get Matt Kemp who the Dodgers are paying for i guess part of the part of the anecdote you just yeah. threw out but and now they're waving the white flag again that's right okay yeah, uh, AJ Preller uh, rolled the dice and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, flew a little too close to the sun, I guess, as Icarus would warn. But the point that I I think that maybe got missed by us in this conversation is that if you're the Dodgers, are you looking for some salary relief too? Are you looking to move a McCarthy from the starting rotation, who I think is two years, twenty million left on his deal, or Scott Casimir, who I read somewhere can actually, I think he can opt out of his deal. Um, Maybe even as soon as this off season, I'd, I'd have to go double check that. I don't feel confident in making that statement. But if you're the Dodgers and the Twins come a calling, and you say we need Dozier, he's the final piece of the puzzle. What do you want for him? Don't touch Urias, and then we'll talk. Okay, so go get a good young pitcher. See if you can get somebody pride from that, or a major league ready pitcher who's more of like a mid rotation guy. Personally, I wouldn't go that route, but you could. Uh, and then hey, as a as a Part of this trade, we're going to give you a valuable prospect for a guy who will only have for two years. So you got to sweeten the pot a little bit. I want you to take some salary off our hands because I don't want to pay $16 million this year for a guy who's going to be pitching for our AAA affiliate or who we're going to DFA in May because there's just not enough room in the rotation behind all of these. Like You, you look at the Dodgers' starting rotation depth on paper. It's bananas. And it starts with for my money, one of the best lefties in baseball history, Clayton Kershaw. Man, then you got these big salaries at the back end that are maybe even further beyond the number five slot. That's the piece I think that we miss, that if you're the Dodgers and you're wheeling and dealing and you're going to give up some good young prospects, I think you want something back for that in return too. If it's in the form of salary relief, so be it. That's that's an interesting wrinkle. So let's go down, however it happens, whether it's the Dodgers or somebody else, let's just go down the path of Brian Dozier has been traded, okay? Which, uh, which, you know, if it happens, who knows when it's going to happen, but... It could be happening as we're recording this podcast. I don't have Twitter open. Who knows, yeah. What then for the Twins, from a roster construction standpoint? Because with Dozier, I would argue with Brian Dozier at second base and with Miguel Sano playing third base, if he does indeed play a full season or multiple seasons at third base, you have plus power compared to league average at both those positions now. 
plus offensive production, I think, for the next two or three years maybe, at both those positions. Maybe plus-plus in Dozier's case. Sure, yeah, at second base, 100%. He's mm-hmm. one of the best offensive players in baseball last year, you know, position neutral. Yeah. So I, I do think in the infield it gives you the luxury of going a little bit more defensive. We talked about this on my radio show uh, earlier today at shortstop. Even though you'd have a logjam, Jorge Polanco is not a great defensive shortstop. I don't, I don't like that infield defensively at all. If it's if you keep Dozier and then Polanco's at short, and um, and Sano's at third, but 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 if you trade Brian Dozier, you have really no idea who your shortstop's going to be because I think Eduardo Escobar has shown that he's not really a one hundred sixty-two game, six month trustworthy starting shortstop. I do think Jorge Polanco would shift over to second base, but then you'd lose some offense there. Um, offensively, a Polanco shortstop, Sano third, Dozier second base, and then Maurer kind of dragging up the rear offensively at first base, which mm-hmm. is weird to say. Yeah, That's a really good offensive infield yes. if Sano gets better, but it doesn't help your pitching staff, which sure. is which is in need of some kind of a life preserver. So what what does, in the wake of a potential Brian Dozier trade, what does the infield look like yeah. for you? And um, and then are there any other dominoes that you foresee falling? Let me throw a pin in something you said, and then I'll get to the who would be the shortstop conversation. The pin is Polanco would move to second base. And while I think that's possible, I'd be more curious if I were if I were puppet master here, I would want to figure out if Polanco's a shortstop. I don't think we figured that out. I think we're on the road to figuring it out. I think he's shown some footwork things and the fact that he rushes his throws and he apparently has no internal clock for when he needs to get the ball out because he's rushing throws and spiking them in the dirt or throwing them into the third row. That's a problem. And and I th- I think it's funny how we talk about in sports like, Oh well, he's good. He's just inconsistent. It's like no, that means he's bad. Like <laughs> Phil, you guys do some really good podcasts. They're just most of them are bad. They're like not that consistent. Uh, a lot of them are just boring and they drag, and you never get to the point. Wetmore just keeps talking. He keeps listing things and doesn't really say anything. He's like just he's doing talking. right now with this sentence, actually. And the idea is that like inconsistency equals bad, and that's that should be said of Eduardo Escobar. I think he's a bad fielder. At least he was in 2016. Jorge Polanco sure had his stretches where he looked like a big league shortstop, but for the most part, I think if you had to, you know, if you had to make a conclusion right now, decide on the spot today, is he a shortstop? Yes or no? I th- I think my answer would be no. But the luxury that the Twins have from being a non-World Series contender last year and this year is they get to start to figure this stuff out. They they can trot out Polanco. So I think the the pin I wanted to put in what you said, and then we'll talk about the other shortstop options, is even if you trade Brian Dozier, I would make Jorge Polanco my opening day shortstop and figure it out. I'd take 2017 hmm. to see if he can play. Okay. Um, and then you figure out a second base. Eduardo Escobar could be your second baseman in the short term. Fine. Sure. I, honestly, and this is just me having over the years heard from people, even going back, I had a conversation, was this for, I think it was for an article on our website, 1500ESPN.com, with Jake Maurer when Jorge Polanco was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And even he was saying at the time, probably more of a second baseman. So that this notion of not necessarily a long-term shortstop goes back multiple years yes. down to low A. For Jorge Polanco. So while I understand and I, I mostly agree that 2017 is 
we can classify it as going to be a bad year, or as you classify it, going to be a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That's, that's a great way. You know, like the, the more 76ers, polite. this is all going to be, a, this whole <laughs> decade is going to be a learning experience. It's yeah. going to be great. It's the passive-aggressive Minnesota polite way yeah. to say, uh, you're probably not going to win the World Series this I year. think if you have an inkling that someone isn't really a shortstop, that's one of those positions where you're almost certainly right. And so you might as well get started on the second base path. And yeah, be, I, Jorge Polanco has a chance to be a plus defensive second baseman. At best, based on what we've seen so far, does he does he really realistically have a chance to be an above average defensive shortstop? Yeah, I mean, I'd say and if the ceiling. answer is no, then I move him off there and I look for a I, a middle market team looking for a boost in pitching can't be without a top notch shortstop defensively. If now, if you want to put out flame throwing bat missing pitchers, you can put a hack at shortstop a little bit easier than you could. Um, but you're not going to do that. In, in what under what scenario are the Twins going to have five bat missing flame throwing right. starting pitchers? Right. And so, if they're even going to be around the middle of the league in terms of contact allowed, you can't have your most active and important infield position anything but above average. Yeah. So that's my that's my read on Polanco. I'm kind of taking more of a lottery ticket approach, which is. Could he turn into a league average shortstop? I think he could. I think he's shown the tools. His arm's not great, but it's not like a disaster. Um, is he going to be uh, Andrelton Simmons? Like, no, he just never is going to be that rangy. He's not going to have the read, the instincts to play shortstop like you see in the best ones. But if you can take a league average shortstop and put him with that bat, which if you're Jorge Polanco, that's a good bat for an outfielder, I think. And so then you put it at a, at a position, shortstop, that has basically no offensive production. Although we are seeing a renaissance of shortstops right now, so that I'm kind of putting my own foot in my mouth. Right, there a but bit. but do you see how the the path you're going down? If if you're going to experiment with Miguel Sano at third base and Jorge Polanco yep. at shortstop, and, may, and maybe they give you plus bats at those positions, very dangerous, and that's awesome. But your pitching staff has now been shipwrecked by a half run <laughs> off their ERA because you put those guys in the in the infield spots you did. Yeah, we are kind of playing with fire with that conversation a little bit because they're two big hopes. They're not likelihoods to succeed. They're, I hope they succeed if you're the Twins. Uh, I hope Miguel Sano is an everyday third baseman, and I've heard people still believe he can be an impact third baseman. Okay, well, that's a hope. Right now, he hasn't shown you that. He dropped like eight pop-ups last year. That was, yeah. I think there was a lot going on mentally there, that kind of behind the scenes, that I think Sano um, will see what his maturity is like this year to be able to move on from that stuff. But I think that went underreported, that well, he really was struggling with some things. You know what it is? Uh, you know, Bruce Arians, the Arizona Cardinals head coach, was complaining that it was it was a a driving rainstorm in Miami on Sunday, but only when Arizona had the ball. Yeah, weird. And he said that publicly. You know, Miguel Sano, it was only windy at Target Field when there was a pop-up hit behind the bag at third base. And then yeah. gusts of wind would just randomly pop up. Yeah, well, actually, it happened when he was in Rochester, too. That's when it started. Yeah, what a coincidence. Yeah, weird. Uh, so my, my only point is that it's hopeful. It's wishful thinking that that would happen. It's possible that it happens. I'm not writing it off. Like uh, your co-host, 9 to 1 on 1500 ESPN, has apparently written it off as uh, he's only going to be a first baseman. Jorge Polanco's the same deal. I put them in the exact same category. Man, it'd be great if that bat could play third base at a league average level or above. Man, it would be great if that bat could play shortstop at a league average level, probably probably not above. But if he could get to a league average level, that's a very valuable bat for a shortstop. Great. It's more likely that he's a second baseman. I think our destination, Phil, might ultimately be the same place. 
But I kind of want a more patient process if you're the Twins right now. I want to figure out. I want to be told definitively that Polanco can't play shortstop. I don't want to guess that he can't play shortstop. I don't, I don't want to regret that later if I'm the Twins. So I want to take 2017 to figure it out. And look, if in four years Sano's your first baseman and Polanco's your second baseman, I'd rather know that I gave it a try sure. with those players than, well, I wonder if he could have made it. As a long as you, as long as you don't, and by you I mean the royal you uh, or the Twins, don't <laughs> right. don't fall in love with oh a really good bat at shortstop. Yes, I get. I would it. venture yes. to say that if you go and look, teams that go to the World Series or win the World Series, they did it because in large part they had a really stable force defensively at shortstop. Francisco Lindor for the Indians last year, they went to the World Series. Alcides Escobar. Addison Russell for the Cubs, Elcides Escobar for the Royals for a couple of years there. Um, I'd have to think back. Even Jimmy Rollins in his prime was a pretty good defender for the Phillies, but also one of the best offensive uh, shortstops. So it's not a position that you want to take lightly, especially when you have trouble finding bat-missing pitchers. I totally agree. And so with that in mind, that dovetails perfectly into what the other options would be. Should, now this is all hypothetical, should they trade Brian Dozier and should they decide to move Jorge Polanco across the bag and make him a full-time second baseman. Hey, this is Ben Gessling, the Vikings beat writer for ESPN. If you're into the Vikings and you're not already listening, make sure you check out the Purple Podcast on 1500 ESPN. Judd Zolgan and I break down the Vikings every week, tell you everything you need to know about the team. You can check us out on Podcast One, iTunes, or 1500ESPN.com. I think if you're going defense first, the best you can do in this organization, you've not seen him in the major leagues yet, and his name's Angel Vielma. If you're going for a glove-first, defensive-minded shortstop who you're praying can hit his weight, and in this case his very inconsiderable weight, I joked on the radio show that Vielma is, has a smaller frame than me, which if you've ever seen me in person, I'm five foot eight, one forty, and squeeze into sweaters Man. for a living. I mean, if he could even hit like, uh, I think he might be smaller than uh, me. Actually, we need him to hit like hundred fifty percent of your weight yeah. when we get to the Mendoza <laughs> yeah, line. Right. So. so the the point is that like his glove, I think, is very strong. There are some very real questions about will he be able to hit at the highest level? He hit a little in Chattanooga, but not very much at all. He's on the forty man. He's right? on the forty man roster, so you could mess around with this. We could actually be entertaining this as a conversation conversation in spring training depending on how things play out the rest of the winter i'd be curious about can that frame hold up over 162 games can a can a skinny little guy like that like polanco used to be before he added all the muscle can he really hold up through the course of a baseball season or are injuries always going to rob him of some playing time and also i don't want to get too bogged down into you know how you know if you know a little bit it's dangerous you go into a fantasy football draft and you go off the rankings Great. You might have just drafted an okay team. But if you've done some studying on like 15 players or like you know Vikings players, cold, you know them better than the experts, that's really dangerous because now you're playing with a small subset of information and giving yourself overconfidence in your overall knowledge and ability. That's what I'm doing here with Vielma. I saw Vielma in spring training make throws that I couldn't believe, and they're in warm-up, so take that for what's worth. He's taking grounders in the infield. But from second base, deep hole, shortstop, deep hole there, up the middle, spinning, didn't matter. He was hitting the first baseman in the chest like it was a piece of cake for him. And his arm was strong, and he had range that I haven't seen from a twin shortstop in a long time. It could be very interesting if he's actually that good at shortstop, as good as I think he could be. But... 
I will say, I'm not a scout. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, <laughs> and I only saw him take a half a dozen, you know, uh, or a, a couple dozen ground balls over the course of a half a dozen. So days. it sounds like the upside for this kid is if, and maybe I'm maybe I'm putting too much of a, a glass ceiling on him. Is Adam Everett or like a Brendan Ryan? Remember Brendan Ryan Brendan for Ryan, years was yeah. one of the best defensive players in the league, St. Louis, and then he went to Seattle for a few years. Uh, he's been with the Yankees. Brendan Ryan is a is a two thirty three career hitter, and he went multiple years as a starting shortstop where he hit below two hundred, like yeah. two or three years in a row. But but he was so good defensively at the toughest position to play in the entire league next to catcher that it kind of balanced out. And a lot of it just depends on if the rest of your lineup can't score. I think he was part of that uh, that Seattle team in 2011, maybe, where Felix Hernandez, he won the Cy Young Award. With like 15 wins or whatever? It was like 13 wins. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because the offense only scored about 550 <laughs> runs the whole season. Uh, so the, the, the question is always, for a position like that, what is the bare minimum that you need to do right. offensively? Look, is he... Is Can he get he, on base at like a 290 clip even, you know? Is he Brandon Crawford or is he Pedro Florimone? And if he's Pedro Florimone, like, sorry, there's not a yeah. spot on a roster for you. I'm curious to see what he brings. I'll be really curious to see him in spring training. Uh, whether a trade goes down or not, it doesn't matter. I want to see Angel Vielma. I want to see what he actually offers. There are some other options, though. We've mentioned one of them, Eduardo Escobar. And, look, he's just he's not inspiring, but you could do worse. You could do worse than giving Eduardo Escobar 500 or 600 plate appearances. I don't think you'd be, like, really happy with the result. I don't think he'd pop off and be Eduardo Nunez circa 2016. But... He'll hit some doubles. He'll strike out a lot. He won't walk very much. He's going to play mostly bad or inconsistent defense, but he can do it at three different positions. He's a guy. He's a he's a for a couple million bucks. He's a solid sort of bench utility bat who could come in and hit a double in the eighth inning. Yeah, I don't think you'd want him as your everyday shortstop, but I think you could do worse. He is, and I'm I'm projecting more for down the road. If he has to be your starting shortstop this year, whatever. While, yes. while you're waiting for Nick Gordon or something, although, That's right. but Nick Gordon, so a lot of people are high on Nick Gordon. He is, uh, he's 20 years old. I think he's going to be 21 for this upcoming season, and I'm, I'm assuming they're going to start him off at Double A Chattanooga because he just he performed pretty well, batted 291, got on base a little bit, and um, stole some bases at High A Fort Myers last year, and played pretty well in the Arizona Fall League too. So, so there's those things. Here's the yeah but on Nick Gordon. Yeah but. He made 24 errors in the 103 games he played at shortstop last year. Now, that doesn't speak to his range. I'm sure there's a lot of skill sets there that, you know, that don't come across in the box score, and I've only seen him play um, in highlight clips and just you know, various here and there. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you combine – that's a lot of errors to make. There's a lot of development to go. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to be anywhere near big league ready in 2016. His speed comes at a cost. He's been caught stealing – 28 times and has stolen 55 bases. There's some things with Nick Gordon's game that just, he's still raw. So if you're planning on him taking over the reins and being the savior, you're waiting for like 2018. Yeah. So, and then you, that's that's a lottery ticket too because maybe he has to be moved off shortstop. Sure. Who knows? I've now, seen some people project more like 2019. Yeah. So Nick Gordon is a future name to talk about, but I... Yeah, he's not a 2017 name. Yeah, he's not He's not your answer at shortstop. It does get challenging if you're the Twins, but I think that you take that... If you're moving a Dozier and your only tie-up, your, your hang-up, uh, your trepidation is 
well, yeah, but then we'd have to move Polanco, and then we wouldn't have a shorts. I don't care about that one bit. I think you figure that out. You go, if you need to trade for a bat somewhere or sign a minor league body and invite a guy to camp and let him be your strike. 2017 just doesn't matter if you're talking overall competitive picture. I think the Twins will s- start to trend much more towards competitive this year. I said on your show, and it kind of I'm glad you guys just glossed over it, but I think the Twins are like talent level – a 500-ish baseball team right now. Now, they weren't even close to that a year ago, so that could be considered a hot take, but I'm standing by that. Uh, I don't think that for a 500-ish baseball team, you necessarily have to throw in the, uh, the throw in the towel before the season even starts, but I do think that if you look at what the Chicago White Sox have done, and yes, they're lottery tickets, but they are loaded up on lottery tickets right now. And they still have some good players. They could still make trades. They could trade Jose Quintana. They could trade Jose Abreu. They could trade Todd Frazier. These are guys that, as of this recording, have not been dealt. But you could if you were looking to even more than you already have turbocharge the rebuild. So you look at what you're going to be competing with two years, three years, four years down the line. And I don't think you can half-ass a rebuild. I don't think you can say, yeah, this man trading Dozier would really help a lot. But, boy, I just don't know that we'd put a competitive roster out on the field then at that point. Well, when you half-ass a rebuild, you know what you get? You get the Twins the last six years. You know, they probably, they probably should have gone into a, more of a full rebuild at some point. Uh, but they kept trying to go sign the Mike Pelfries and the, and the Kevin Correas. And they, kept, they just kept trying to push forward with the young troops that they had, thinking that, no, 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 this is a 90-win team. It just needs a boost. Uh, it really is. Let's go get Kevin Jepsen and keep him uh, as the eighth inning guy last year, things like that. So um, I don't know. I, this has been kind of a rambling podcast in some ways, but the Brian Dozer rumors still linger, and um, it'll be interesting to see if they do trade him what the rest of the dominoes are that sort of fall. I, I just think my big point is that you don't worry too much about the rest of the dominoes. I think you make a good trade in a vacuum. I think you set yourself up as best as you possibly can. Um, I think the options that we talked about today, not super exciting, not super inspiring, but you just sort of have – that's secondary. That's the second part of the conversation. That is you get the right trade return. You make the smart decision for you. The rest of it you figure out later. You cross that bridge once you get to it. I, I think if you were to get tied up – now, I don't think these guys will make this mistake, but I think if you're Derek Falvey, I think if you're Thad Levine – and you're sort of sitting on your hands because you're not sure what the like the new frontiers are sort of scary and trading a star is a scary thing and you might catch some heat for it by by some media members and fans and stuff like that. I don't think you can worry for one second about that. I don't think you spend one waking second thinking about what Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore think about it. Well, There's... you should worry what we think because right. we're, we're the, clearly the smartest media members in town. And also, but anyone else, <laughs> don't worry about what they also, think. Also, Derek and Thad, if you're listening to the podcast, please do rate and subscribe us on iTunes. We would sure appreciate a four or, you know, a five-star review.